Hey guys, it's David Burns, the founder of BaseballJobsOverseas.com, and this is our podcast that helps to inform you about the many playing and coaching opportunities around the world. Today I have the Thomas Twins, Lindsay and Nicole, on the podcast. Both are UNC Greensboro Division I graduates of 2016, who then went on to coaching careers in Division I softball and then passed up on that, knowing that coaching will always be there to then travel the world. Well, now it's almost six years later, and they're sitting down with myself and our softball recruitment manager, Sarah Edwards, who is based in Italy, to tell us their story. So we hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, let's get on to this podcast interview with Lindsay and Nicole Thomas. Nice to see you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. And we have Sarah joining us, the softball recruitment manager for softball jobs overseas from, where are you right now, Sarah? I'm in Italy still. I'm in Parma. I'll be home in New York next month. Yeah. And Lindsay, where are you? I am in New Zealand, Christchurch. Christchurch. And I will be here for a long time. I am here. I have a 12-month visa, so um, I will be here for a little bit, and then we'll see after that. Um, season just started. We had a preseason tournament last weekend, and it just started um, our first actual season games this weekend, too. So it'll go till March, but I have a visa till July, I think, so I'll be hanging out after that as well. You, she forgot. They had F45. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. F45, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I have heard of that. I haven't gotten the chance to play it, though, but it seemed like so much fun. It was it was very fun. It's a hitter's game because it's the whole game is supposed to be 45 minutes to just make the, the game more popular to show on TV, too, um, for the people who don't know softball. And so you only have three balls and still three strikes. So it's all for the hitters. Every inning you start with a, a runner on base, depending on the inning. You can steal early. Um, there's just these crazy rules. So it was pretty fun. My team won, so it was even more fun. Nicole, you're in California? Yeah, I'm boring. I'm in Southern California right now. <laughs> First time in a while, so that's kind of nice. So, yeah, let's get into that. Let's jump in. So you guys, you played Division One ball together at UNC Greensboro. From there, you spent a year coaching. What made you decide at that point? Because it seems to me like you were – you're focusing on a coaching career, and then you decide, all right, let's let's go travel the world and play play softball. Uh, how, what was that thought process, and, and what's the story behind that? I actually had played in Puerto Rico um, the summer before, and I just had the greatest time. I'd never left the – I mean, technically Puerto Rico's in the U.S., but it was definitely like culture shock and totally fun. Um, and so I – shared every story uh, with Lindsay when I came home. Um, none of, most of my teammates didn't speak English. I, so I kind of got that overseas experience pretty early. And um, Lindsay and I always got to play together. And she was like, wait, <laughs> like, I want to do that. Um, but Puerto Rico only takes pictures. So she can go down to Puerto Rico. And so um, we actually, after we graduated, took the summer off to kind of heal our bodies and then um, found out that we could play overseas. So while we were coaching, Lindsay, once we got an opportunity to continue to play, Lindsay was like, I want that experience. It sounded awesome. 
And so she messaged me one day and said, we're not done playing. Um, we have a team and we're going. <laughs> so Lindsay, how did, how did that come about? There was an opposing pitcher in our conference, really good Sarah Purvis. She played for Texas charge in the U S um, she was like, you guys need to not stop. Uh, she said, you need to keep playing. Um, here's a contact. And, um, she just sent me this contact in Canada and she said that she'll help us find a team overseas. And like Nicole said, the first summer, Nicole needed to heal. She was pitching, hitting, doing all that in college. We needed, we needed that break. Um, but then I was just talking to my coaches at Virginia tech who I was coaching with and they were extremely supportive. Um, Angela Tinger played in Japan for who knows how many years. So the second I told her I was considering or Nicole and I were considering playing, she was like, it's like a no doubter. You have to go because coaching is always there afterward and you can still always use what you're gaining from playing in your coaching. So True. I was like, okay, twist my arm. Here we go, Cole. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. I remember coming out of college and wanting to go overseas. A lot of my um, teammates that I graduated with went on to coach instead. And I would ask mm-hmm. them like, why don't you come play? And they'd be like, well, these, this opportunity is here for me now. It might not be here for me in the future. So I want to take it. I have a lot of friends like that. I have a lot of friends like that. And it's like, it will always be there. Like, and especially like I became a better coach the second I went back to Italy after I left my other coaching job. <laughs> um, you, you, it, and Sarah Pauly too, is just like that. She's one of the best pitching coaches in the country. And she just, you keep playing cause you keep learning, you know? So that's what I try to tell them because you can always do the opposite. It's a lot harder to leave after. Like Lindsay said, I needed a break. I wasn't even coaching um, at first in college. I started my master's degree and was just uh, felt very sad out of nowhere. Um, so I started helping. I was like, well, maybe it's softball. And then so I started helping like a 12 and under team and I was happy again. And then I was like, dang it. And then um, I was started looking at coaching opportunities and Elon University um, needed a volunteer assistant coach. So I reached out. And then suddenly I was really busy, but really happy. And then that summer we're like, okay, you know, softball's kind of in your blood. So uh, coaching happens and then a playing opportunity happens. And I think every single time I've left a coaching opportunity to go play, I come back a better coach. And so mm-hmm. I decided to see coaching will always be there. And it's, it's more, you'll be better if you take that opportunity to go play. Especially since overseas, that that's just comes that's part and parcel. Right? Like you're you're coming over, yeah. but they're just absorbing your knowledge, and then often you're meeting other people and you're you're learning yourself, and, and so it's there's a lot of give and take there. And one of the questions we had: Did you find it challenging to sell yourself mm-hmm. as a package deal, um, where you know a lot of clubs will bring in one import, sometimes they'll bring in two, um, but being a um, you know two way player and then of course a catcher, I guess that wasn't too difficult but not a lot of teams have the budget so did you find any challenges with that or um we're we're super lucky in that we do pitch and catch and we both hit um so the first uh Lindsay had more experience like Lindsay literally contacted we played in Austria our first season and I had no contact with anyone prior I trusted Lindsay she made the contract she talked to the players and just said you're leaving this date from North Carolina to go to Europe and I was like cool um okay and then um, I think I think we've been pretty lucky. Um, I know there are we've gotten better at making contracts. Um, so I'll also say that they, we weren't in it, so we might have taken less money to be together. 
Um, but that's also worth it. But we've, they've also lucked out where um, we're comfortable living together and doing different things. So they can save in some places and then give to us in other places. Um, so I think knowing that you can negotiate and um, also really owning who you are as players was super helpful um, once we understood we could do that. <laughs> that kind of leads me to something else as well is um, given your, your division one background, uh-huh. was there ever like, a, Oh, what I get myself into moment? I feel like Nicole's laughing because right when you said an, Oh no moment, it wasn't even to do with softball. It was living in Vienna and Vienna is one of the best places to live in the world. I think, I think I Googled it right when they reached out. I'm like, I don't even know where Austria is. And you had to like, look it up. Um, amazing place, but the culture shock just like, just blew my mind. And Nicole said that I was, you know, I, I signed the contract, did all that stuff. And she just came along. I looked at her that first day and it's not even that weird now looking back. Like we love Europe. I will go back in a heartbeat. I looked at her and was like, I am so sorry. I don't know what I just got us into. Like when we got to our apartment, <laughs> cause like public transport, we were like, what is that? And just Nicole, I don't know what set me off, but I had like tears in my eyes. and was like, Nicole, I am so sorry. We're here for like four months and we're going to make it work. I kind of slightly knew cause I'd played in Puerto Rico. So I was like, Hey, what to expect is anything. And so I was telling myself in my head, not realizing that Lindsay hadn't been through that. So I was seeing like the, the different lifestyles, the different things we, to even get to practice. We had to take like a bus, a tram. Uh, we had to do all this different stuff. And I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm ready to not know anything. Um, and I forgot to tell Lindsay that. So Lindsay got there and I, so I was like, okay, so we'll have some things to figure out. And Lindsay was just like, I'm so sorry. We committed for a very long time. I don't know what to do. We're here now. And I was like, you know, like, it's totally fine. Like, this is just a part of it. <laughs> I, well, because I was like, this is my fault. But anyway, softball wise, we have so many funny stories about figuring out public transport. But softball wise, they did prepare us that it's not going to be like Division One softball. Um, the pitching isn't. Um, so you're more or less swinging at more balls because you're putting the ball in play and like they will walk you a lot more like in the u.s they don't intentionally walk as often as they do like everywhere else in the world like people are comfortable walking you three times a game out here all the time while in the u.s i feel like some people are like we still want to beat them you know uh so you just had to get ready for a lot more intentional walks and just practicing less which i think kind of helps you recognize where you're at, like me and Nicole, cause you would help run practice depending on the team you're on. Um, so you could either practice before or with teammates after, but we definitely in college, I would hit like every night before a game also still at practice, all that. And like, this is definitely different where it's a lot more relaxed and you might have Nicole and I were always on the teams that practice like once or twice a week. It was never like three to five times. It was literally like, yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. So I feel like, um, if we didn't take that year off before, I don't know if I would have been prepared to go from practicing every day to like once a week. I think that kind of helped us ease into it, but it is different in that aspect where it's not die hard all the time. So, but it's kind of nice. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> One thing's just the downtime, right? And you have each other. So that yeah. helps a lot too. There's a lot of downtime overseas because you don't practice much and you don't study. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just kind of there. Yeah. So the next year, did you, what happened in 2018 then after that first year, where did your careers go from there? 
Um, I got, I got, um, offered a full-time coaching job, but right before I left Austria and I said, I'm playing in Austria and I'll come back. And they said, yes. So I ended up coaching at the uh, Western Carolina university that was in our conference when we were playing. Um, so I was coming back to a full-time job, super excited about it. And then, um, which was about three hours from Nicole. So it was like perfect still, but anyway, Nicole, do you want to talk about you? Nicole's got yeah. some really cool stuff in between that time period. That's why, like, I used to brag about her all the time. Oh my gosh! Oh, stop it. Um, I I came back to finish my master's degree, and it, it was in public health, um, but my focus was on athlete health and wellness, um, concussion reporting, um, just overall. And then it turned into female rights, female equality. So I very much still in the realm um, of what we do every day. And so I was still coaching a little bit. Um, finished my master's degree. And I was dating someone in Europe at the time. So I went back for season two with Austria and M stars. I also just love that team. Um, had such a blast again. And then um, I was trying to find what to do next. And so I somehow crossed um, online the, this team in Malta. And um, they have funding from the EU that they use to promote like gender equality, female empowerment. And so there was this team in this, on this little island in the middle of nowhere, and they use sports to promote gender equality. And that's kind of, kind of where my studies and passion collide. And so while I was in Malta, uh, or so while I was in Austria, I was invited to run a training camp in Croatia that included a team from Croatia, a team from Malta, and a team from the Netherlands. We, te- we taught them pitching, um, sports psychology, nutrition, and how to like build an overall athlete versus just playing softball and how to like really empower women. And so I fell in love with this random team from Malta while I was doing this training camp. And so they invited me after my season in Austria to go coach there, work in schools, um, and help write some stuff for them. And so after I played in Austria for the second year, which was just equally amazing, um, I went straight from Austria to Malta for another four months to work with that team, which is pretty, pretty awesome. That's what I love about overseas is these opportunities then to start rolling like this. Like you, you meet so many people and new things pop up. Next thing you know, you're in Malta or you're in New Zealand or whatever the case is. Yeah. Well, it it did get better because when I went, I went home for Christmas. I I went home for Christmas and the other American I had played with in Austria that second summer when Lindsay wasn't there was playing in New Zealand and they needed a pitcher to come out in like three weeks. And so I was like, she reached out to me like the second day I was home in like America. And she said, Hey, you busy in January. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm coming to New Zealand. (laughs) And and I went from, I had like three, three countries I lived in in like less than a year. And so I absolutely fell in love with New Zealand, which is how Lindsay is there right now. Um, So you guys, this is probably a question in the future, but I need to get it off my chest. Um, I played in New Zealand and that next summer, Lindsay played in Italy by herself without me. So that was the first time we'd both really like played in separate places that the other person had never played in. So come the next season, my team in New Zealand asked me to resign with them. And I was like, you know what, I'm I'm coaching a lot in California. I don't know. And they said, we want to sign Lindsay too. And I was like, whoa. And I said, I called Lindsay. I'm like, Hey, no big deal. But my team wants to, my old team wants to sign us both. And she said, okay, I'll quit next week. And I said, what? And she was like, we, we need to keep playing. Like, this is what we do. This is what we love. And so if she could quit her division one coaching job to continue 
screen. I said, I guess I can quit my high school coaching job here. And so we played in New Zealand, had an awesome time. Lindsay met this guy, which is why she's there right now. But then it gets even better because then it like Lindsay played in Italy in 20, was it 2019 then? And Italy fell in love with Lindsay. She played for a team named Forlì, and she just left a huge mark. So then there was a team in Italy named Sestese um, who had heard about Lindsay, who had heard about me, and they were like, invited us to both come out. So then it was like our two countries had switched. Like the country that I went to invited us back again, and the country that Lindsay went to invited us back again. And so we were able to experience both places separately and then together, and it was kind of perfect. <laughs> That was a very long-winded story, but I needed I needed to say it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was taking the slow route, um, so I'm glad you you covered all of it. And but it's <laughs> that's how it happens, right? It's just one after the other. Like if you if you have something that they want, which is home runs and pitching, <laughs> and, uh, you know, then it's just and of course good people and and you and you're good at sharing your knowledge and and the coaching aspect, I mean, then it's almost impossible to stop. Like that's, that's the only problem. Right. So yeah, that's, that's very true. It is. It is. And Nicole didn't even talk about her, her season in Taiwan last year. She ended up flying during the pandemic to Taiwan and back just to hit. And that was awesome too. But anyway, yeah. Ask about that. So that probably came, came through, through New Zealand, right? I'm assuming. Yeah, it did. Um, I was in it. So it's also, it's like, once you're in a country, you're prepping for the next country unintentionally. Um, suddenly, you just find yourself in places. Um, the representative in Taiwan messaged me midway through New Zealand, and I had heard about the league in Taiwan, and there was just something about it that I was like, I want to play in Taiwan. I want that. With COVID, it was kind of awkward. There was a lot of back and forth for a few months and three weeks, and it, it was really put off. And then I think we were in March or something. No, it was later than that. I had three weeks to make a decision at the end of it. And it was like, yes, I'm in, let's go to Taiwan. And I was picked up as a hitter. So a, a dream job is to go over to a country as a DP. Um, so that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was probably like the most foreign experience, I would assume. And also without Lindsay. So how was that like playing without her? I think I had to go through every single, this is going to sound funny, every single country, everything had to have happened before to get me to that place that felt the most comfortable to be in that position. Um, I think if it was the first place I'd went to by myself, it would have been different. But at that point, we're like five countries in, um, you kind of know what you kind of know what to expect. I had a translator there and I had known a couple girls who had played on my team before. So like by that point, you're like, okay, reach out to the people who've played there. Um, you see what it's about. And I, it was different and that it, it was a bummer to be by myself. Of course, like ideally you, you bring your best friend along. Um, but it was incredible. It was definitely the most different experience I've ever had. Um, even like softball wise, they, they practice so much almost as much as like the Japanese do. They're up at like 6 a.m. lifting weights, practicing twice a day, three times a day, it felt like. Um, so it, it was different, but it was totally, totally different. Yeah, I was going to actually ask you about that because you went from your first story in Austria where <clears throat> you're practicing twice a week, and that's if it's not raining. And, <laughs> and then you're in Taiwan, which I'm exactly what you just said, where they're the, the other – 
end of the spectrum? Is it only a special kind of person that would survive in that environment with the culture shock and the intensity of, of the trainings and all that kind of stuff? Um, I, I kind of do. I do. I think um, it also, like, I am, I'm really good at trying different foods, embracing different cultures. And if you are very strict in how you do things, it's a little tougher. So having that flexibility to understand what that team wants of you, the expectations, um, they actually do acknowledge, uh, my team acknowledged that they practice way more than Americans do. And the style's very different. They'll field for like three hours and they're constantly moving. They literally told me, like, I could just show up late and hit. They're like, you need to do what you need to do. Um, I don't know if every team is like that in Taiwan, but my team was certainly accommodating um, they were like, hey, you could eat, you don't even have to do warm-ups with us. If you wanted to do your own warm-ups, um, you do that and make sure you do what needs to get done. Um, I, I tried to do a hybrid because I, I want to be with the team. I know they can't speak to me, but like you can uh, create friendships without like speaking languages completely. So I would warm up with them um, and then probably do a little bit of different hitting drills. It's You really need to know who you are and know what you need, but be flexible at the same time. So I do, I do think that it requires a special person to kind of understand that. Um, but I, 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 Lindsay and I always say we get lucky with every team that we get picked up on. They're always um, very accommodating and uh, awesome. <laughs> I think that has a lot to do with you guys, probably. <laughs> <laughs> what you attract. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause you also, you also didn't want to be that American that just like showed up for like 20 minutes and like, didn't put in the effort. You know, it's about like navigating, like balancing things out. I wanted to ask one question that a lot of seems to hold a lot of girls back, which is the, um, the, the safety concern of like, Oh, I, you know, they, like it's everything's so foreign to them. Like you said, when you first came to Austria, it was like, where's Austria on a map? Like, you know, I, I did the same thing when I came to Austria. So, um, so at any point throughout your travels, have you ever felt, and this goes to Sarah too, have you ever felt unsafe? Um, everything is really safe in other countries. <laughs> I mean, I know it's different from country to country, especially Austria. It's a special place, but, um, I have had to talk to certain players overseas to help them. Um, and like, even like I know in Malta, it's a very foreign place. And so I have had to have like personal calls and like conversations with players to help them kind of understand where they're at. And Malta, uh, we were the or the Island of Gozo is a very, very safe place. Um, and so it just, you just talk to the people around you, get to know the area and you actually, it's kind of almost funny. Like they, I had a bike, um, when I was in Malta and I asked for a lock and they laughed at me, they were like, why? And I was like, so someone doesn't take my bike. And they're like, no one's going to take your bike. And they like actually refused to give me a lock. And so it was just like, just keep talking to the people. Um, for that reason, I always felt pretty safe. For me coming from New York, I live about an hour or so from New York city. And I would like go spend the night there sometimes with my friends, whatever. And my parents would be more concerned about me going to New York City than going across the world to Switzerland or Holland or the places that I've been, you know. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't really that big of an issue. That's just it. Europe's safe for the most part. So your business, when did this idea come to fruition? And and maybe you can just tell us a little bit about the business. It first started during COVID. We had coaches when we had to fly back from New Zealand. We were ever I felt like everyone was kind of in this like odd situation trying to figure out what was going on. Um, so I had a lot of travel ball coaches reach out to me 
um, when I was actively recruiting them at the university. And they were just calling saying, can you, um, can you two speak to our players? They don't really know what to do right now. Um, and they kind of brought up motivation and stuff like that. And Nicole and I were just talking about how lots of the time when people speak to kids or teenagers, they'll have that one big, great speech that motivates kids and athletes for like a day or maybe a week. But we want, um, I told the coaches, I know this is supposed to be this like inspiring speech, but if we're doing this, I want it to, Nicole and I want it to be a lasting behavior change. Like COVID could be happening forever. Um, we want them to actually take something from it that they can constantly use and apply. So we had a meeting with the kids and then Nicole and I were like, that went really well. We should have another one. And then another coach was reaching out and um, we just started telling them, you have to talk to us for like four weeks, like four sessions, um, six. And our program is an eight week or um, an eight week program because we've decided that's the optimal um, learning and training environment for behavior change. Um, but it also did start with the confidence of when Nicole and I left for New Zealand, she literally had parents coming up to her saying, I know you're her pitching coach, but can you just talk to her every week? And so just the idea of mentoring started happening when we first went to New Zealand. And I think Nicole spoke with her like every, every week we were there. We tried to meet as much as possible. So it was like this, um, I'd been coaching in California for a little bit. When we went to New Zealand, the parents were like, can you just keep talking to them? Because whatever you're saying is helpful. Um, but we want to make sure it goes off the field too. So like whatever, um, whatever life skills, um, resilience, mental toughness skills you're learning. We want you like the player to be able to use it in their everyday life. We want them to be great people, have successful careers, go to college. Um, and so when we got back, Lindsay like had so many teams asking her like for help. And so, yeah, once we, once we're like, Hey, if we're talking to you, we're talking to you for four weeks because we want to create something that lasts a while. A lot of, um, we got a lot of feedback from coaches that they had really cool people talk to their, their kids, but it was more just like, be tough, fight through this. If you want it bad enough, that's it. And, and then it would be done. And so it's like, no, like let's instill some really good um, habits. Let's, let's do like, even if it comes to mental health too, it was like performance skills, um, mental skills, like how can we create the best versions of ourselves even through this COVID time? Um, and so suddenly we have like teams signing up for an eight week program uh, for mental toughness and skills training. And so now we've worked with uh, around 12 teams, um, 10 travel ball teams, one college team, one national team, um, two different international teams we've worked with, one in Croatia with the coach and then of course, the Austrian national team, we have to, we love them so much. And so now um, we're just kind of growing from there. Yeah. And what started as just this idea of if I have one, if we have one session to talk to these kids and how to navigate COVID, we gave them like, I, we were like, get out your pens and papers because you thought we were going to talk to you, but we're all doing this together. And it was just, um, Nicole calls it a blueprint where just like we hit off a tee, we want to give you fundamentals for confidence, resilience, feeling pressure situations, um, and all of that. So it's not just they can go back and step by step when in doubt, oh shit moments, this is what I do to get through it. And Nicole is awesome because of her background that she found theories that go along with it. She found research. So everything we do, 
Um, we, I feel like we take it a step further where it's like, yes, this helped for us, but also scientifically research shows this is why this also could help you. So we just kind of geeked out all of COVID for months when you couldn't leave the house. Like that was our, like what we did. <laughs> it was yeah. a renaissance period. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, we start basic, right? Like just like learning fundamentals so of the tea. Um, you, you have a couple things you start with and then we progress every week. So it's, and we, we know a lot of these terms like controlling the controllables. We reframe our mindset. We're dealing with fear. We're dealing, dealing with uncertainty. And so it is, we call it priming, priming your mind. So before having negative thoughts, how do we create that blueprint that we can build that house on, that we can build those tough mental skills on so that you're strong. So suddenly something bad's happening and you're like, it's fine. I've prepped for this. Mm -hmm. And a metaphor we use is that we want to build a strong foundation before a storm hits versus building that foundation during the storm. It's almost impossible right? So if we can set these girls up, so we're, we're working with girls starting from 12 years old up to whatever national team ages, you know, that we're on. So there, there's no, I think there's no like too soon and there's no too late. Um, and it's just this constant thing in life we'll have to deal with too. There's definitely ne never too late. Um, because I, even even myself playing here in Austria, I just retired at 47. And oh, congrats. And, I never considered mental training. I'm old school that way or whatever. And, but yet you hear people say baseball's half mental. I think, and a lot of people will argue much more. Um, and it's so true. <laughs> like I think back to when I was younger, how many times I get in a slump and it's all in my head. And, um, and then as I got older, I, it was just easier to, to, to deal with those moments, like stressful moments or whatever the case is. But if you can get a hold of somebody at a young age and, and work with them and, and, and on the mental side of the game, it, um, it, it'd be, it'd be tremendous what you can do with them if they can get to a point where they're already kind of in control of themselves like a veteran, um, you know, and, and control their state of mind in those pressure situations. My question is, are you guys like how much of it is virtual and how much of it is in person? And like, I'm guessing it's like a combination of the two or. Um, we've actually done all of them virtual because most of our first team started across the country. Um, and so we couldn't meet anyway because of COVID. So I will have, have we done anything in person yet, Nicole? Because I will have my first in-person teams in New Zealand. Actually, I'll be working with the regional teams, the representatives, um, two men's teams, two women's teams. So that will be my first. And unfortunately, Nicole won't be there in person with me. But everything else, oh, no, Nicole, Nicole's done one in person at a, at a, a cool clinic, yeah. too, you can talk about. But most of it has been Zoom. It's, it's mostly been virtual. Um, also, just we had one call that it was finally with the California team but there were 55 girls and we had no space. We felt comfortable. So we had this 55 massive zoom call. Um, and then we were able to work with that same organization the next week um, in person with three different sections. We did this like massive clinic. It was awesome. Um, but what happens is we meet with this team. Um, they, they have this notebook, right? And we're trying to get like uh, better graph paper ones to make it look like a blueprint of a house. Um, and so, we have these skills they practice. Um, they're doing homework every week. So we make it not so it's like, oh, it only exists on Zoom. So you have this Zoom call. You work with your team after. 
So whether that's calling each other, you have these skills that you need to practice with your team. And then we have homework where it's more like physical, tangible. So you're actually like doing it. And then um, often we have follow-up calls with coaches and that uh, we have drills that they will incorporate. So you get it in all aspects in your normal life for your homework on the field with your coaches and then with us on Zoom. So it's like more real. <laughs> yeah. But we actually do individuals too. And they, they will be... I think all of our individuals have been over Zoom too, just because they've been Florida, like all over the board. So, yeah. That's great. And, and, and this is allowing you then, because it's virtual, to continue with careers. And, and so you can, you can work on your business and you can continue to play. So um, with that being said, what are your, your, your goals with the business and goals with your career? Um, I think I think what we're doing shouldn't be a luxury. I think, especially as a college coach, one of my the things that hurt me the most was when a coach would say, "If you only had the confidence, or if that player only had the confidence, she would be so much better." Or that person's a head case; she's never going to make it. Stuff like that. Um, so Nicole and I have discussed several different avenues, but I just hope that we can do it more full time because I don't want it to just to be for the specific elite athletes we work with, but I want to, you know, be able to reach as many teams as possible, um, high schools, colleges, kind of all of that. Cause I don't know if Sarah could agree, but in college you need this so much mm-hmm. and sometimes you get it. And then sometimes it, we, I think we spoke with like a sports psychologist once or twice. Um, and I think just ours is a very simple, basic approach that can, that, but being like that, it can translate to almost everything you do. So I would just like to be able to just help as many athletes and teams as possible, regardless of age, because we have found that we like all the ages. So we do need to figure that out. We started with the first year 12s team and we were a little nervous what they'd catch on to, but they were so like, I think we, we doubt the 12s too much. Uh, That's when they're getting passionate and um, we want to be able to provide workbooks for people we can't reach out to. Um, but then also it's definitely breaking more into college. We've already worked with college players. We work with college uh, D1 players individually and then one um, Division II team. And so breaking into college more. And then what's cool is that with the time change, we're able to work with international teams in the morning. So somehow <laughs> completing, being able to reach as many people as possible. But also when we get into college, um, we're looking to break into more NCAA NFCA type things so that we can just showcase how important this is for players first, because we, if you're on a bigger stage and the college players are doing it, it will then show the younger girls. It's okay um, to focus on this stuff. And so um, just kind of who, who we're reaching out to first is kind of our question. (laughs) But we do like the idea of a workbook that if people can't work with us or they don't, they don't know, then they can sign like buy hopefully a book or our workbook and step-by-step through that too. But that's, you know, a process as well. Yeah. Well, it sounds like your business is really molding and then you're, you're, you're finding success and building a name for yourselves. And um, I'll throw it to Sarah. If Sarah has any questions that I maybe missed, I think we covered mo- most of what we wanted to ask them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we basically did cover what we have, but I've been thinking, so, how do you guys kind of, I mean, I would assume that your program isn't kind of like a one size fits all if you're working with 12 year olds as opposed to working with like someone like me, you know, so how yeah. do you guys incorporate that 
type of intuition as to like what these people can really handle at certain stages of their careers? So we definitely have um, the theory and the research behind it stays the same, right? But the anecdotes, the examples, and then the, the things we have them do might vary. Um, so, so the message is the same, but I definitely don't use um, some of the same examples. Um, if we're thinking national team, I mean, that alone is going to be very different from a 12U team. Also, there is a slight language barrier. So we're taking into like all the considerations. So we have this foundation, but we spend hours and we spend our lives making sure we tailor it to exactly what team and exactly what person, like, like you said, Sarah, it's going to be very different talking to you than uh, a 12 year old. That's just learning. <laughs> I didn't even think of the language barrier and like the cultural barrier as well. Cause also like here in Italy, I would say the culture for softball is different than in other countries, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we actually, Nicole, I forget who we spoke to, but we discussed before it even happened what appeals to certain people. Like we are very passionate, transformative coaches. And I remember them, someone before we even started was like, just so you know, they are less motivating like by speech and more motivated by like separate things. So it's like making sure that we don't, we know what we have is great and our content is great. The fundamentals to elite mental performance, but we, we, our biggest goal that Nicole and I want to make sure we stand out from everyone else is that, like you said, it can actually apply to you. And we actually make everyone during this session, apply it to their life, explain it to us. So we know if they're on the right track or not, because some, especially younger kids think that they're like, totally understand it. And then we hear their kind of example of reframing and Nicole is like, I think we can do better. <laughs> so, I wouldn't even say, Lindsay, I wouldn't even say it's the younger kids, it's everyone. It, it's, it is it's everyone. everyone. Yeah. So with, with our program, we target three things. Um, one is social. So you need to feel like you're a part of something. You're a part of a team. You're never alone. Um, two is that you have autonomy. So everyone has a voice. Um, even if you're misunderstanding something, we need to hear what your thoughts are because they're important and they matter. And that's when you can start buying into something. And then also we just want to make sure it's not, we're targeting like what they internally want. So not like, it might not always be like a trophy, but something that motivates them very inside. And so, um, I think having honestly with like having a public health background and like figuring out what they need versus what we think they need is important. And then also playing in literally so many places with different cultures. Like my mental training started when I went to Malta, like they asked for mental training. And so I can tell you that culture is going to be way even different than Italy, even different than Austria. And so it was like, here's where it starts. And so because honestly, I will say because of every single place, every single thing I've ever done sets us up perfectly to create the most perfect mental training, honestly. <laughs> and so I think one of our questions we wanted to talk about was actually how has, how has your overseas experience created challenges for you guys that has like, obviously you needed to get better yourselves at mental strength or whatever. And obviously you can now implement that in your careers, like in your business. Mm -hmm. um, I think this summer in Italy too, actually hit me at the hardest because Nicole and I were finally together and we were so happy. And I feel like sometimes when you have something that you haven't had, well, obviously we've always been happy, but it was just different. Then you start to worry, like, I don't want to lose it. And then that's when I first finally experienced stuff that I felt like girls were going through in college. 
because sometimes I didn't feel like I could relate to them because I was like, I'm not afraid of this, like blah, blah, blah. And then since we kept playing, it gave us more opportunity to feel that. So I think that finally I was able to experience some things that never occurred to me in college that I had a lot of teammates go through. And I, it sucked at the, in the moment, but I was trying to remind myself like being able to go through this will be more helpful and help me relate more to the, the athletes going through it now. Because previously some people, especially, I don't know, David, like how you're like, yeah, I never talked about it. I just did it. Sometimes people just don't get it. Like you have it or you don't figure it out. And so it kind of helps you. We have, like Nicole said, the blueprint and the steps. And so you can actually do some of the steps and you're like, yes, this actually works. We can relate it and move on. So I, I feel like I didn't go through a ton of stuff in college, but like the last two years helped me kind of be relate more to the people that we're working with. I think that even playing overseas, it, it helped us like understand like how flexible our minds need to be. And then, um, like Lindsay said, I don't know about you, Sarah, like we all had pretty successful college careers. And I think if you keep playing long enough, eventually you'll hit a slump. Um, unfortunately that probably happened with like, that happened to me a little bit in Taiwan, um, for so many different reasons. And it was the first time I was able to actively, like we've, we've trained athletes. We know what it takes to be at the top, but we didn't necessarily know what it took to be at the bottom and get to the top and, um, playing overseas. Eventually I hit that slump and I was like, okay, here we go. Like, this is it. Like, this is how we, we start moving up from here. And so just like in every, in every way it's helped, it's helped us, um, to grow mentally. I'm curious, have you worked with, um, any baseball players? Um, we've had a couple reach out. Um, and so I think that's going to be happening first very, very soon. Um, I actually just talked to what, this like, you read my mind. Um, I talked to one yesterday and he's like, um, we almost, we don't know if we want to combine the softball and baseball together or keep them separate. I think I'd rather keep them separate at first and then eventually combine them. Um, but they're going to be, we've talked to a couple teams now and that'll be the first like next collaboration that I imagine happened very, very soon. I think that's a good idea. Um, and I know a lot of the, the guys that we, we have that go overseas and everything, a lot of them have a bit of a chip on their shoulder because they really had these high aspirations and now they find themselves playing in a league where they feel like they should not be. We actually, luckily we're a part of uh, some research about transitioning athletes. And a lot of that's like understanding your identity. You're in a new place now with like totally new surroundings. Who are you going to be next? And who are you now? And who have you been before? And like, how do we keep creating this like wonderful career and wonderful person you are. And it's, it's a tough transition. I know a lot of, even just like college athletes in general have it. Um, but like 100% you're, you're suddenly in this new place. Like what? Like, this is it. I'm and so for sure, for sure. Yeah. We want to be able to talk to those athletes. Um, so yeah, before we just to end the interview, is there anywhere um, where people can, that are watching this or listening to this, where, where can they find you online? Um, right now you can find us on Instagram from training underscore untamed. We're also on Facebook and we are currently working on a website. So the easiest way is training untamed, um, on Instagram and you can click our linked tree and that will take you to all the avenues of what you want from us, uh, mental training, all that good stuff. Um, and Nicole, do you have anything else too? Um, I would just say that's the best avenue when you're overseas. 
make sure there's an avenue that works. So whether you are in Austria or New, Ze New Zealand right now, Instagram is reliable. Okay. <laughs> it is actually one of the most reliable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just to disrupt any thing that might happen um, for right now, like we check it constantly. There's a, a, a link on Linktree. I'm not even going to put my email because people can spell that wrong. Literally training underscore <laughs> untamed um, message or click the link tree. Um, there's an interest form that you just fill out. Mm -hmm. So we know what age you are, if you want a full team and you just fill out some personal information that starts the, the tailoring to you. Great. Well, That's thanks awesome. a lot girls. We'll talk again for sure. Sounds Definitely. good. Hey guys. Right on. See you hey guys. guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to follow Nicole and Lindsay, you can find them on Instagram under the handle training underscore untamed. This interview will also be posted on our YouTube channel at Baseball Jobs Overseas. If you're interested in playing softball overseas, you can contact Sarah Edwards at sarah.edwards at softballjobsoverseas.com. And you could also follow us on Instagram at softballjobsoverseas. Until next time, Thanks for listening, everybody, and may the softball gods be with you.